And of course, the other thing I forgot to mention is this is episode 45. So again, bye. Well, here we are again for another edition of Roy's Rocket Radio. It is Sunday, the 22nd of June, 2014. And the time is... 20 past four. (laughs) Just make a note of that. And uh, yeah, hello again. Wow, it's been a really busy week. I am don't really know where to start, so I'm glad that I have my notes in front of me today. But again, uh, we'll be talking about uh, a vintage Doctor Who episode, uh, along with some other news. So we'll start off with my personal news section. And last week I mentioned that I was... Uh, MacGyvering <laughs> um, a set of recording equipment using a well, a, a gorilla, a Joby gorilla pod. I'm not sure if you know what that is. It's uh, well, they've been around a while, but they're these uh, fancy and expensive camera stands that look like a string of marbles. Look like three strands of marbles. Uh, attached together and you can bend them into any shape you desire. Now the idea was that I would also buy a Joby Gripfast vice clamp type affair and then use both of them to fasten my iPhone uh, to the tripod and the whole thing would bring uh, the iPhone much closer to my mouth. Uh, That didn't work out mainly because of a terrible miscalculation on my part. I should have really read the dimensions of the product. And when it came, it was really small. I I was expecting something about a foot long. I got something a few inches long. Also, the grip-fast clamp didn't hold the phone very securely either, despite its name. So I've returned the whole lot. Now, I... I've entitled this section of the podcast, Podcast Recording Equipment, but that's a bit of a joke because basically my podcasting recording equipment consists of an iPhone, and that's it. An iPhone, well, and a free app that records records linear WAVs at 48 kilohertz. So now... I've resorted to doing what I did on my very first podcast, which is holding the iPhone up to my mouth like a microphone and then pacing erratically around a room. But it seems to be working okay. I'm not sure what I'm going to have to do if I... I'll need one hand free, though, because one hand's holding the notes, the other hand's holding the iPhone, and I was going to say a third hand's holding the pen, but uh, that would be weird. Uh, what what else could I uh, do about the recording situation? Well, I have I, I read someone else's uh, blog post somewhere, which suggested that I use the car, you know, sit in the car, uh, because it's full of sound absorbent material, and do the podcast from there. And I have tried this, and it does work. Uh, there there is one problem with this uh, scenario, though. It means I would have to sit in my car <laughs> for over an hour talking to myself. And yeah, I don't know if you read my 
uh, not a blog post, I think I tweeted uh, that my hair is now a lot longer than my profile uh, picture suggests. It's long and wild and <laughs> looks like I described it as a hand grenade thrown into a bird's nest. So Tim Burton, eat your heart out. But you can imagine um, a guy with Ken Dodd hair sit sitting in his car, shouting into his phone for an hour. <laughs> like, so I, I, I've decided to take the coward's way out and just pace around the bedroom. Uh, so what else can I talk about today? Ah, yeah, okay, the writing update. If this is your first, the first time you've listened to this podcast, I'll give you a little bit of a heads up. I've been writing a novel. Um, it's uh, loosely a, a, a techno-thriller-adventure-type novel. Um, similar to the uh, Preston and Child Pendergast novels, or Indiana Jones, or, or you know, that kind of thing. With a bit of Michael Crichton thrown in, too. <laughs> uh, so, as far as the novel goes, I've only got two more chapters, and then I'm done with the first draft of my first completed novel. So, huzzah! Immediately that's finished, I'll be editing it, writing a screenplay based on it, and starting a space opera novel as well. Uh, yeah, and now that yeah, that does sound like a really lot of work, but so what? You only live once, not twice, Mr. Bond. So that's it for the personal news this week. Oh, <laughs> there was something else I can mention, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Well... My time was occupied by one other uh, hobby, shall we say, that hasn't worked out. In fact, it hasn't worked out in quite a spectacular way, which I won't go into now. But the point is that frees up more time for writing, which is good, so no loss. And, okay, and now we're going to talk about Doctor Who. So, this week we are, again, following with the uh, Doctor Who marathon that I started ages ago now. I can't remember what episode. But we are with the first Doctor in Series 2, Adventure 9, entitled The Time Meddler. This is a four-part series broadcast from the 3rd of July to the 24th of July 1965. The writer is Dennis Spooner, the director Douglas Camfield, the producer Verity Lambert. The cast this week is the William Hartnell as the Doctor, Maureen O'Brien as Vicky, and introducing Peter Purvis, well we saw him last week actually, as Steve Taylor the latest of the two Doctor's companions. So I'll just briefly go through the synopsis. Uh, we're in medieval England this time, just prior to Harold's bish-bash-bosh with William the Conqueror at the Battle of Hastings. The Doctor stumbles onto a monk who is meddling with the timeline. Now the reason the Doctor knows that the... Uh, <laughs> the monk is meddling with the timeline, 
is the monk has made his home in a abandoned monastery. And the local people believe that the monks uh, en masse have moved back, when in fact it is only him. The reason he manages to fool the villagers is that he's brought a gramophone from the future with uh, chanting monks on a record that he's playing uh, 24 hours a day. So they think that the monastery is full of devout and um, uh, praying monks. So... Like I said, the uh, the monk wants to meddle with time. Uh, the particular plan that he's um, trying to put into action is a defeat of another invasion attempt. Not now, not the uh, one of William the Conqueror, uh, but another little known, in, uh, little known invasion attempt by a Viking uh, called Harold Hadrada, who was the king of Norway at the time. So his plan is to blow up this Viking fleet with atomic weapons from the future, and the reason he wants to do this is if. King Harold of England uh, doesn't have to fight the Viking King Harald Hadrada of Norway, then he'll be fresh and he'll be easily able to beat William's Normans at Hastings, meaning that the Norman invasion will never have happened. The Doctor... Oh, the other thing is, we're we're never quite sure why he wants to do this other than meddling in time. Um, I think that's a bit of a hole in the uh, storyline. I would have liked them to explain that more. Uh, But anyway, um, leaving that aside, the Doctor quite naturally takes against this meddling. And during the course of the adventure, we find out that the monk is another time traveller from the Doctor's home world of Gallifrey, presumably, though the word's never mentioned. And he also has a much better TARDIS than the Doctor. It's described as a Mark IV TARDIS. And he hasn't just been meddling in this period of history. We find out that he's filled his TARDIS with stuff looted from the past. And he's also done some other time-meddling things, like uh, that old chestnut of depositing money in the bank and then collecting vast sums from the accrued compound interest from the future. Uh, what else has he done? Oh, he's also he also mentions that he influenced Leonardo da Vinci to create flying machines. Basically, he's been a naughty little time traveller. Uh, and then we've got various bits and pieces going on with <laughs> with tribesmen and Vikings and the Doctors and the Companions running, doing a lot of running to and fro and escaping, as they usually do. But in the end, the Doctor sabotages the Monk's plans and uses his TARDIS... Uh, oh, sorry, he sabotages 
the man's TARDIS by removing something called the dimensional control, which makes the interior of the monk's TARDIS too tiny to operate, effectively marooning him in the past. The doctor leaves a note for the monk, saying that he might come back to visit him. Might. <laughs> you know, we, we're given the impression he might also not. He might just leave his fellow time traveller stranded in the past forever. And if you know anything about the Doctor, he, he, well, even at this early stage, he has a strongly ruthless streak. And after the monk uh, gets this letter, and obviously is a bit annoyed, the Doctor and his companions leave for their next adventure. And that's it. Uh, at the end of the adventure, we also have some new uh, credit graphics, um, where we have... Uh, the the usual uh, music, theme music to Doctor Who, uh, but against the background of a spacey backdrop, we see the negative silhouettes of each of the crew, uh, Vicky, Stephen, and the Doctor. I thought that was quite a nice touch, actually. I like the end credits. They give the show a more gritty, real feel. I suppose you could call it. So, my view of the whole uh, adventure. Well, I'm going to start off quite shallowly by saying that the uh, new companions, Stephen and Vicky, look rather fetching in their new outfits. After the last adventure, uh, Stephen especially was basically dressed in rags. So, he's uh, had a shave and cleaned himself up. And now they both have these outfits that are kind of cool. They're, they consist of a cloak and a kind of tunic and trousers. So Vicky's in grey and Stephen's in black. And uh, yeah, there is something cool, mysterious and slightly sinister about them. And they kind of match uh, William Hartnell's cloak as well. He wears a cloak too. I quite like that. Because you don't want time travellers to just appear mundane and everyday. Uh, they are strange people to the, you know, to the eras that they visit. And I think that this should be reflected in how they look. And also, given their experience of strange new worlds, which... Sorry, Star Trek. Uh, what else? Oh, the other thing I felt... Man, bit negatively really is that I I really miss Ian and Barbara a lot uh, there was something about those two uh, they were teachers from I think a school called Coal Hill or something grim and industrial like that uh, comprehensive school um, back in the 60s but yeah there was something about them that was uh, cool and I, I really liked them um, I do like Vicky though uh, and she's a good replacement for the Doctor's granddaughter, Susan Foreman. But Stephen Taylor, played by Peter Purvis, who went on to be a presenter on Blue Peter for years and years. I, you know, I'm not so sure. I mean, he's, he's okay. But he seems like, um, I don't know, I just haven't quite warmed to him yet. 
the other thing about this adventure is it's interesting because it's the first time that the Doctor comes against one of his own kind. And while the monk isn't quite as nasty or, well, as evil as the Master, we are given a taste of things to come. So it's not all hunky-dory back on Gallifrey. The storyline for this adventure is simple, and more to the point, and thankfully it isn't stretched out too long like some of the other historical-type Doctor Who dramas. There are a lot of incidental characters who I did not mention uh, during this podcast, like the Saxon villagers and the Viking invaders. Wait a minute, Saxon villagers. So at one stage they were invaders too, but let's just gloss gloss over that for now. Uh, The Doctor also strikes up a rather close friendship with the pretty wife of the local village's headman. (laughs) Doctor, Doctor. And that's it for this week's adventure. I can't off the top of my head think what the next adventure is uh, so I can't tell you about it now but you can also you can always look it up on the various wikis out there so today's adventure that we discussed was with the first doctor and it was series two adventure nine the time meddler episodes one to four from 1965 I think that's just about it this week. It's been a rather, uh, let's say, shorter podcast than usual, but then I am busy. As usual, if you want to get in touch, just go to roymatur.com. That's R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R, where you'll find a multitude of ways of contacting me. And as usual, I'm also going to ask you to rate the show, visit the blog, email, or tweet me if you like. So, let's see. This was the show for the 22nd of June 2014, and that's a Sunday. And the time at the end of the show is... Let's see... About 16, 38, and 30 seconds. So thanks for listening, and hope you visit again next week. And that's it for now. Bye. And of course, the other thing I forgot to mention is this is episode 45. So again, bye. Bye.